You just you just know who he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had people who who were here when he was here telling us, um, you know, if you get a chance, take a shot at him. If you, if you can, you know, hurt him. I guarantee he's gonna leave the game hurt and stuff like that. And um, it's fine. It's, it's football in a sense, um, but you know, we're, we're all men out there. So. We don't do that. Never done it anywhere I've been. Uh, we don't do anything to hurt the team. It's the number one primary thing. You're committing penalties. You're doing those type of stuff. We just don't do it. And you know, you guys are cooperating, giving him attention. Just don't give him attention. Talking Cleveland Browns football with the best fans in all of SB Nation. Now, here's your host, my dad, Delonius Seven. Sunday morning host. A very happy Browns game day to you and yours from Dogs by Nature. My name is Thelonious7 and I'm bringing you your Monday morning edition of the Sunday morning post here at Dogs by Nature. Ahead on this episode of the show, we have the injury report, talk about Greg Williams, and the AFC outlook before we turn our attention to this matchup on Monday night between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. This game was supposed to be a rematch between the two top quarterbacks selected in the 2018 draft, Sam Darnold and our own Baker Mayfield. However, due to the injury report, that will not be happening this week. We're going to take a look at the injury report right now. The Jets training staff is essentially running a triage operation. They have 12 players on the injury report for week two. The Browns have 11 players on the injury report, including Demarius Randall, who's out with a concussion, Adarius Taylor, who's out, as well as Dontrell Hilliard and Kendall Lamb. It looks like Rashard Higgins and Joel Batonio should be able to go for this matchup. However, The stars from New York were not nearly as lucky. It's been reported, of course, that Sam Darnold is out with mononucleosis, unfortunately. And additionally, on defense, C.J. Mosley is also out. C.J. Mosley has a groin issue, and he'll be joined on the sidelines by Quinnen Williams. The medical issues are a huge part of the story and the reason why Trevor Simeon will be starting at quarterback in tonight's game. I honestly felt for Sam. Um, that's a tough deal, man. Uh, just because I've seen him since I've been here, you know, the last several months, put you know his his heart, soul, and mind into this, and uh, it's been kind of rewarding for me seeing, you know, because I feel like I was was a young player, and to see that progress and that improvement from year one to year two, um, I was excited for him, and I still am. Um, he's not going anywhere. He'll be back soon, so. Uh, but that was the first thing I thought of, you know, filming for Sam and uh, hoping he, he makes a speedy recovery. What's your mindset kind of coming into Monday night? Obviously, guys are coming off of a tough loss and, and have a tough stretch of schedule ahead. Yeah, just do my job. Uh, you know, run a clean operation and, and get the ball in the end zone. It's pretty simple. Is it easy to just slide in the way you have right now? Yeah, I've been I mean, it's we've been running the same scheme, same plays, so uh, I feel pretty comfortable with what we're doing. And, I'm excited to compete for sure. It will be interesting to see how Trevor Simeon responds to the stress of playing on Monday night. 
Well, next up is former Browns interim head coach Greg Williams, now the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. He comes back to town with a reputation of a little of assorted mischief, to put it lightly. We cut it up a bit in the opener, but let's hear the exchange between OBJ and Greg Williams as it took place in the media this week. It's something that I'll never forget. It's something that um, it changed my life forever, so I don't necessarily regret it. Uh, of course, I wish it didn't happen, but it, it did. So, um, yeah, that, that led to the ankle for sure. Have you talked to Last one. your, your defensive player friends that have played for him? Do you talk to them about his uh, yeah. dirty tactics? Yeah, I mean, I had people who, who were here when he was here telling us um, – you know, if you get a chance, take a shot at him. If you if you can, you know, hurt him. I guarantee he's gonna leave the game hurt and stuff like that. And um, it's fine. It's it's football in a sense. Um, but you know, we're we're all men out there, so there's no need for for doing any of that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it just make the plays the best that you can, clean. Um, if you got a shot on somebody, you know, I, I hate the the rule or where. You know, I understand the helmet to helmet and player safety and all those things, but um, I feel like playing football the way that it's always been played, like you can you can still make better hits, but now we're diving at people's knees and, and you're seeing people with knee injuries and I would much rather be hit up top um, as a man to another man than somebody diving at your legs and your ankles and stuff like that. But um, that's just kind of what the rules are changing for us. So it, it makes it hard on defenses. They, they think about that in the middle of a play. I don't want to take a fine. I don't want to get kicked out the game, whatever it is, um, and I'm sure it slows them down a bit. So the only other option is to go low, um, and it's just going to lead to more leg injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. said that yesterday you coached dirty hits and that you told players to injure him in the preseason game in 2017. Odell who? That was a, <laughs> that was Jerry. You know, that's just, you know, those are the things. I think there's been several players. I just found out about it, but we've got several players that have already come out and, you know, that have mentioned things about that. We don't do that. We've never done it anywhere I've been. Uh, we don't do anything to hurt the team. It's the number one primary thing. You're committing penalties. You're doing those type of stuff. We just don't do it. And, you know, you guys are cooperating, giving him attention. Just don't give him attention, you know. And it just is what it is. Is it discouraging on some level? He is one of the great. He's one of the most dynamic players in the league. For him to even—that's your opinion. He's one of the what better the, players. What, what, what's New York's opinion? He's one the of Giants' the, opinion. What, what do the Giants do? The Giants. Are, so that, that's not a question okay. for me. But, 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 so you don't think he's one of the most dynamic players? I do. I, you know, here's the deal: we're going to play against whoever comes out of the huddle every single week. We play whoever comes out of the huddle. We do that every day in practice. You know, there's some of those same kind of guys here. And we, we do that. Do you take <clears throat> any personal offense to a guy who's attacking your reputation? No, I don't. I mean, that's part of the, this is part of what we do, okay? And, and you believe what you believe, but people know, okay? And the people that know me know me. I don't have to defend that. We are definitely going to keep an eye on this story going into Monday night's matchup. Well, at this time, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Yeah. After this one, you're listening to the Monday Morning Edition of Sunday Morning Post. Welcome back to this Monday Morning Edition of the Sunday Morning Post. 
My name is Lonia Seven. I'm your host here on Dogs by Nature. Looking at the greater AFC, yesterday's action was very telling. First up, we have the Bengals as they take a crushing loss to the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday. Here is Zach Taylor talking about how his team fared this weekend. That's a loss that we, we got to own. We weren't good in any phase. On defense, we didn't tackle well enough. On offense, we killed ourselves with penalties early on. Didn't take advantage of the opportunities they gave us. Um, and then we had a couple of special teams miscues as well. You know, some of those kickoffs got brought back on holding penalties. So uh, this is not something that we're going to run from. It, it, it is what it is. You know, we got blown out at home. Um, we could say it was frustrating, but, but we will not allow our guys to, to hang their heads. This is one game. We got 14 more to go. We got a tough one next week at Buffalo. And so we can't waste one second feeling sorry for ourselves because no one else is going to do that. So these guys will rebound. We got great heart in this locker room. We all know that this is not us. This is not what we're about. We, we're a much better team than that. And we expected to come out and play better than that, but we didn't. So there's no excuses to be made. Um, again, we got to turn around next week. No one's going to feel sorry for us. You know, I, I, I feel I, I feel bad for the players because because we put in a great week of worth and we feel good about where we were at and we just didn't do it. And and that's just the way it is. So we'll turn around. We got another big one next week. Yep, that game's going to be in Buffalo. This week's score was 41-17 to in favor of the 49ers who traveled into northern Kentucky to take out the Bengals. We'll see how Zach Taylor responds to this challenge going forward. It's going to be tough getting off the snide against Buffalo. Well, up next, we have the Steelers and the Seahawks. We're going to hear first from our buddy Pete Carroll. Pete, what did you think of this game from Sunday? Terrific win for, uh, for the franchise today. We're on the road like this and, and playing such a tough place. A club that we're all, always concerned about when they got Ben on that side and the defense, the way they play, um, it just challenges you. And the fans were there and all that. Our guys hung in there. <clears throat> that was really important that we make this trip in particular because we got some more coming up and show our guys that we know how to do it and we can, we can go cross country and, and play in the morning and, and, uh, and play good football. They did a fantastic job and the coaches did a fantastic job to contribute to what it takes energetically to be right about uh, for game time. So uh, that was a, a huge accomplishment for us. Pete Carroll, of course, alluding to the trip that his team has week six as they come to Ohio Edison Stadium to battle the Cleveland Browns. But let's see what they had to say out in southwestern Pennsylvania. Get my tongue out of Pittsburgh. Please, 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 please get him out of Pittsburgh. Just fire him already, man. Just fire this man already. woo <laughs> We've been there before, and I definitely do not want to go back right now. So let's turn our attention to the Greater Chesapeake region, where, where the Ravens were able to outlast the Cardinals and get their second victory, moving them to first place in the AFC North right now with a 2-0 record. And so the AFC North is as follows on top. The Ravens followed by now the Cleveland Browns at second place. And in third and fourth respectively are Northern Kentucky and Southwestern Pennsylvania. 
the Browns definitely have their work cut out for them tonight to try to keep pace. Avoid falling two games behind like their counterparts. So, outside of the AFC North, there were two other teams that did well and were able to hold serve. And they, of course, were the Patriots and the Chiefs. The Patriots were able to take care of the Dolphins, continuing the zombie theme that we had in the last show. In any case, they were able to take care of the Dolphins by a score of 43 to nothing, and the Raiders were outdone by the Chiefs by the score of 28 to 10. So it still looks like in the catbird seat, maybe, the Patriots, Chiefs, maybe right behind them. Beyond them, I don't think I felt anything from the Not, not the Chargers right now. Um, <laughs> so let's turn our attention to this week's matchup and hear from the coaches of the Browns. I want to hear from Freddie Kitchens, from Mike Prefer, and a little bit from Todd Munkin about what they're expecting in this game. And we're going to finish up by looking at the matchups and making a prediction. So without further ado, let's start off with Mike Prefer, special teams coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. Let's hear what he thought about last week and what he's looking forward to in this game. Different week for us, obviously, playing on Monday night. Uh, I loved our schedule. I love what Freddie did with our schedule. Bringing the guys in Monday, obviously, to watch that tape. And then Tuesday was a, a bonus day, working on a lot of techniques and fundamentals and little things that we needed to correct from the game on Sunday. And then and then kind of got on a normal week with Wednesday being a Tuesday, yesterday being a Wednesday, today being a Thursday, I guess. Um, but it's been a good week so far. Guys are working hard. We're getting focused. and. You know, they're all big games, but, you know, coming off a game like last Sunday, this one's going to be huge for us. You know, I, anytime you, you know, it's obviously a team game, and anytime you lose like that, um, you know, there's really no time to take solace in anything. I, I like the way our guys did some things. They played fast. They played with good effort. The, the biggest thing I took away from it was that they played hard the entire game. When things got out of hand in the fourth quarter, our guys kept playing hard. And I think we have the right men in that locker room uh, to rebound from something uh, that happened, you know, that game that happened on Sunday. So that's what I take solace in the fact that the guys played hard. Uh, they had a great effort. They were in there the whole game. Uh, we did some good things. We didn't do enough good things, and we got to keep getting better. Did you see anything specific on Austin? <coughs> I did. Um, he did exactly what he wasn't doing the last three, four weeks when he ended up winning the job. He just went back to, just not went back to because he normally doesn't kick that way or he wouldn't be here. Um, it was just poor technique. I'm not going to make excuses for him and he wouldn't make this excuse, but it was kind of, we scored so quickly and he never really got a chance to get into the game. And um, But he needs to be more prepared than that. It's kind of like um, I tell the guys all the time, it's a it's a sudden change. Anything that happens fast, like a pick six or a return for a touchdown or anything good that happens for us, all of a sudden, you know, bam, you score, you got to be ready. And, you know, maybe mentally he wasn't quite prepared, but, you know, he came back on the, on the second extra point and stroked it, and that's what we expect from him every single time because he's good enough to do that, obviously. How's up Dillon's day? I'm sorry? How do you size up Jamie Dillon's day? 
Other than the first one, I thought he had a really good day. You know, the first one we were very fortunate because you punt from backed up. And I mean, the hit and rolls are nice, but you know, you can't count on those or rely on those. If the returner comes up and either fair catches that ball, they get a ball across the 50, which is a no-no when you're kicking from backed up. Um, but the other four punts I believe he had, he really hit the ball well. And we covered well, we protected well for the most part. And we got to keep working on the fundamentals there. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty good day for Jamie. More than likely, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's done a good job for us, and you know, he almost popped the one. Uh, I think his last one, his only return in the game, he only got out to about the 25, but he was one block away from making a much bigger play. It was fairly well, you know, pretty well blocked, and we just got to finish. And that's going to be the emphasis today when we talk about kickoff returns: finishing blocks and playing penalty-free like it normally is. And that's the one thing if. If there's any big disappointment other than a missed PAT, it's the uh, couple penalties we had in the one punt return play. The kickoff return penalty was questionable, but you know, we, we I came in here preaching back when I got here in January, we gotta reduce the penalties and we have to reduce the penalties, especially in the return game. You can't give the offense bad field position and expect them to go 80, 85 yards every time. So we have to do a better job in that regard. Here's a little bit from Todd Monken about what he's looking at going into this matchup as well. You've got the penalties and then and then when you got behind the score in the fourth quarter, uh, it was hard to kind of establish the running game consistently, but there were times you guys ran the ball pretty well when you didn't have those in front of you. How did you think that the running game was, you know, aside from when you weren't able to run because of down the distance? It was fine. I, I think you hit it on the head, Jake, that it was, um, we ran the ball fine. It, running the football wasn't the reason why we, we we didn't produce more offensively. So, you know, I thought Nick ran hard with the ball. That we had some things that we were able to take advantage of. But at a certain point in the game, you know, we really weren't running it nearly as uh, as often. So I think is the best way to put it. But uh, in order for us to be effective in most offenses, we got to be able to run the ball, and play action, and take advantage of of the opportunities you get down the field. Only been one game, but how key is C.J. Mosley to that Jets defense? And, you know, I think there's no question about him. If he's not there, what kind of blow is that for them? Well, like any frontline player, I guess the best way to put it, it it's difficult to replace those guys. It, it is, it would be for us on offense, it's difficult to replace some of your best players. That's why he, um, you can see whether it's defensively where you can struggle at times with a play here or there, and then offensively with a play here or there. It's, it's not particularly over 60 plays, but it's a play here or there that possibly another player might not have have made a mistake. So when, our, like we talked about our offensive line, I thought those guys battled their rear ends off, but there's a reason why you have starters. There's a reason why you pay certain players what you pay them for what they bring to your team. So when you lose those guys, you're hopeful that it stings a little bit. Otherwise, you're you're paying the wrong guys. I mean, that's really the way it is. When you pay those guys, you expect them to play like A-list players, just play to the level they play. And when you when you lose one of them, it is hard. It is difficult to replace them. So we'll anticipate him playing. And, you know, work a game plan accordingly. Uh, that uh, toss fake and then throwback screen to Odell. You guys ran really early in the game Sunday. That Drew Pelley. Is that a play that you can even run with that rule, or do you have to get a different like, hopefully don't come up the line in order to get that executed? Well, I think uh, we're not. I don't know.
go for it, Liberty to talk about, but they came back to us and said it should have been called. So obviously we could have done a better job with Greg being flat and Odell bringing the defender to Greg. If you talk from a coaching perspective, doing it better than they do it, but forget even the official. If we if we do it technically better, then that's not even a factor. So, but you're right in, in terms of uh, the ruling now, in terms of working yourself back towards the line of scrimmage, that is something that you always have to be conscientious of, especially the receivers. Should have been a penalty. There shouldn't have been a penalty. In their minds, it wasn't forcible contact. Um, was what I remember from looking at it. I didn't commit it to memory, but it, they said it shouldn't have been called. But that's that's neither here nor there. That that comes every week. I don't even mean it that way. There's multiple ones every week in our game and other games where they mention, hey, should have gone this, we'll talk to the official. That that's part of it. They're human. We, we that has nothing to do with us. Finally, Freddie Kitchens muses on the challenges of Monday night football and battling the Jets in New York City. What's the biggest message to your team to kind of handle the pressure of uh, playing in New York on Monday Night Football? It's, it's about us. It's not about the outside world. It's not about, you know, uh, the lights being on. It's, you know, um, it's just about it. everything goes through kind of us from the standpoint of how do we prepare? How do we play? We just want to continue to prepare well, play well, uh, and be a tough, physical, smart football team. About um, in Indianapolis, how you guys kind of got more together, being on the road together. Um, do you think that this could be something like that, where this could really bring the team together? Well, I think anytime you you have success, uh, people are are seem to be more together. But when you realize it more than anything is after you come off a loss. Um, and I think over the last two weeks, we've experienced some things that you know you either. You're either in together tight or you're not. And I think we've got a bunch of guys in the locker room that care about each other and they're going to be tight and not willing to let each other down. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am looking forward to those matchups too, Freddie. So without further ado, let's get to them. If you're following along at home, Open your web browser up to Dogs by Nature and go to the Browns vs. Jets NFL Week 2 Preview and Prediction page. There, of course, Chris breaks down how these teams stack up to each other for this Monday night game in New York. Now, of course, the quarterback position isn't the battle we were hoping for, the not the battle between Darnold and Mayfield. Instead, Trevor Simeon gets the nod. Chris Corny has listed this as a win for the Cleveland Browns, and I would say that's correct. Few could argue. However, at the running back position, he has Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery as scoring higher than Nick Chubb and Andy Ernest Johnson. And I would at least put that battle in even. While in my heart, I definitely would put it ahead for the Browns. I just don't think that those two kind of um, free agents are really enough to say that they have established something. Moving on to wide receiver and tight end. It looks as though the Browns have an advantage in this position. And I would have to agree with Chris here. The Jets will bring Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson, and 
Demarius Thomas recently joined the crew and Ryan Griffin, former Texas tight end, is now man in that position for New York. Cleveland, of course, is going to field Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins should be back, as well as Damian Ratley and maybe Taiwan Taylor. Of course, the chief, David Njoku, is the tight end, giving Cleveland a clear advantage in this position. Now, the offensive line and the defensive line he's listed as even. Uh, in my opinion, it seems like the, the Browns... Um, Losing Robinson was a tough thing for them. Having Hubbard all over the place was rough. However, there are some injury issues with Kelvin Beecham and um, Brian Winters. We'll have to see how the passing unit is doing. Calling the Browns defensive line, even with the Jets, probably reflects the, the disappointing performance from week one. I can kind of see where he's going with this one. The Jets are going to bring out Leonard Williams, the huge defensive end, and Steve McLendon and Henry Anderson at D-Tackle. Williams is out. Mosley is out. I'm not really sure how this group's going to respond in this situation. So I can understand how in some ways it's even, but it seems like with the injury situation, maybe you might just nudge the Browns up a bit. But I can understand where Paul Corny comes with on this, uh, where he comes from on this in this uh, issue. The secondary, however, is clearly a Cleveland victory because Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts are the starting corners with Brian Poole covering the slot. And we heard earlier this week how Matt O'Leary from Elite Sports Media New York described the difficulties that the Jets might have in the secondary going into this game. Now, the special teams he gives to the Cleveland Browns, which if you realize that the team lost three points last week, it's very surprising to see that he would give an advantage to them over anybody. But that anybody is the New York Jets, who, as we've heard earlier, have had a very difficult time with special teams. And we'll see if Sam Ficken can fill in and can provide a little consistency for their kicking game. Conversely, hopefully Austin Seabrook can get some confidence going on to the road. Hopefully banging a few through to ease the nerves for the future games that he's going to definitely have to face in Cleveland. Well, before I make my prediction, I want to hear what Baker Mayfield's thinking about this game. Baker? See, I said it's unfortunate Sam's not able to play, but, uh, you know, it's about us right now going out there and competing. I'm looking forward to that competition tonight. As far as predictions go, I see the Browns winning this game by about two to three touchdowns. If I had to choose from a list of almost any contributors that, that kind of reflects my viewpoint, I think the one that, that does most often is Rufio. I feel like that score, 28 to 13, is about where the game's going to end up. Let's hope that this game doesn't get mucky like the one against the Titans and move to 500 on the season, staying only one game behind the front-running Mid-Atlantic Ravens. And with that, we'll put this Monday morning edition of the Sunday Morning Post in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to make Dogs by Nature a part of your day. 
My name is Thelonious7. I'll be on the threads and at Twitter at Thelonious70T. Hopefully the next time we talk together, we're celebrating a Browns victory. Okay, guys. On behalf of Dogs by Nature, I wish you a happy and prosperous game day evening. Take care and go Browns.